is the CHGO Cubs podcast presented by PointsBet. Use code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Hello, everyone. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. We are coming to you on Wednesday, June 8th, and we have a whopping one game to discuss in our series recap here today. Brendan, the Cubs and Orioles rained out on Wednesday. It'll be made up later this season. So just a single game from Tuesday night uh, as part of our recap. But with the off days and a lot of shuffling around with the roster going on, we definitely still have plenty to talk about. But uh, Mm -hmm. all we have is a 9-3 to loss, Brendan. We do. At least they get some time off, get that bullpen rested. Alec Mills came back, Corey. So you got some innings from uh, Mills to rest a bullpen even further. So silver lining going into New York and San Diego next week. They have a fresh set of pitchers, I guess. Uh, sure. Yeah. I love a good silver lining. Um, there you go. It's a, a season full of them. Yeah. I, well, I, it, it was a weird place to be on Wednesday night where I, I had to kind of reevaluate some things where I was like, man, there I, I need to reevaluate when the Orioles and Cubs getting rained out has ruined my evening. <laughs> 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 like, what what am uh, I doing with my life? Um, we need more hobbies. Yeah, probably. So yeah. we will talk about the one game on Tuesday. We're going to break down Keegan Thompson. Alec Mills returns uh, with a very nice outing to follow Keegan Thompson's not-so-great outing, so definitely want to talk with Brendan about what went wrong for Keegan there. The Orioles jumped all over him, so we're going to talk about what that looked like. We've got some quotes from David Ross, uh, amongst other things, but Brendan, I I want to go back to Sunday, actually. These were quotes uh, that our guy Jared Willis posted, I think a little bit after we recorded, uh, and I would be remiss because it's me mm-hmm. uh, to not bring this it's up. You. And I, I just want to mention it because Justin Steele also talked about it, I think in a video I saw on Marquee earlier to, on Wednesday, um, that one adjustment he made in the game on Sunday was a tip that he got from number 34, your boy, the left-hander, John there Lester. And it's been a while since I've talked about John Lester on this podcast, and I can't resist the opportunity. Um, He told Steele one of the main things was establishing the four-seam command down and into righties on that inner third of the righties. He said establishing that would kind of open everything else up. David Ross also Mm. said that John Lester called him after watching one of Steele's recent starts and shared a few tips, which he passed along to Steele. And then the video that I saw from Steele on Wednesday, he said how incredible it was to have John watching one of his starts and take the time to offer up the tips. And he also added something that I agree with, that John is a first ballot Hall of Famer. So loving all this John Lester talk, Brendan. But what I loved more than anything, right, is that he's calling David Ross and still watching the Cubs and trying to be helpful. Doesn't sound like he wants to be a coach or anything like that, but even this little, like, peripheral involvement in the organization uh, warms my heart. It does. And that explained exactly why we saw Steele for the first time in his career, Corey, as a starting pitcher, throw those down and in fastballs. So there you go right there. And he threw a fastball, basically three of every four pitches in that start. Uh, I wish John would be somewhat more involved with the Cubs just to get more content. Uh, So unfortunately, that's not going to happen anytime soon, at least for now. But looking at Steele and his fastball usage and location, it did prompt the question, what did Lester look like in terms of like the modern stack cast era peripherals? Because we never got to talk about John with all this new data that we have now. And when you look at John, you know, you have that cutter, that trademark backdoor cutter. He has natural cutting action on his four seam, and so does steel. So it does kind of make sense that you have a pitcher who has natural arm cutting action throw maybe a repertoire or a strategy similar to Lester's, Corey, and you did see it be effective. All right, so Brennan, since we're talking about, you know, whether we might see steel, the rotation coming up for this weekend, what happens with Stroman, et cetera, um, we do have a, a live update here, which I always love when we're recording. We're recording late Ooh. on Wednesday night. Um, 
And Wade Miley, there was a talk earlier today from David Ross on Wednesday that he was a possibility to get in there this weekend against the Yankees. And indeed, he will. Friday, it will be Wade Miley. Saturday, it will be Matt Swarmer, who Brendan has talked and written about in depth over at allchgo.com if you want to check that out. And Sunday, still a TBD. So uh, keep your eye on who mm. gets that Sunday start. Um, the other update we, we can touch on in a second was that Seiya Suzuki also potentially uh, going to be reinstated this weekend, or at least he's close to being reinstated. So that's very good news. Uh, but let's let's start with Wade Miley here. That's that's very good news. Um, yeah, yeah, he he had pitched really well, you know, when he had uh, gotten going and and come back uh, from the delayed start to the season. And of course, you know, as you head into a potential trade deadline, etc. You know, you want him out there showcasing himself. Uh, really, th- this this serves only positives for the Cubs. He's either going to be good for them, as we've seen, or good for somebody else. So this is good news. It's great news. It gives the current Cubs pitchers some more time to uh, recoup recently with the multiple extra inning games and the the nine games in one week, especially with Keegan going from the bullpen into the rotation, Ross has not had the luxury of kind of spreading out his pitchers in the bullpen. So you get back Wade Miley. We'll see what happens with the current rotation uh, for for the long term here, not just this weekend, but it does give Ross a chance to, to reevaluate his bullpen, reevaluate the guys he needs to give more innings to or more rest to. I mean, we've even seen Scott F. Ross Corey get so many innings, almost like Steve Ciszek 2.0, how Madden used to use him all the, all the time. So that to me is also an, a significant feature of having Miley back is how it gives Ross and these pitchers a little bit more comfort, a little bit more room to breathe. Yeah, and I I, I may have missed it, so I'm asking you live on the air, but I'm presuming uh, that this means that Marcus Stroman threw a good bit on Wednesday if he's not, you know, and it's not easy yeah. to shut down and just go two days from now, but... Yeah, so I mean, he threw his bullpen, right? So he threw his, threw his bullpen in the rain, apparently, uh, Wednesday. But you keep him on that same schedule. Yeah. Uh, pitchers, they you know they throw every few days. They keep him on the same five day schedule, and that makes sense. To yeah, me. with the off day tomorrow on Thursday before starting the yeah. Yankees, that's tough to just roll him over. So yeah, uh, again, Sunday with the travel to and everything. So we'll yeah. see when Justin Steele gets in there or when Stroh gets back in there. But uh, it'll be Wade Miley and Matt Swarmer. Uh, hey, welcome back, Wade Miley. Here's the Yankees. Yeah. So uh, that's <laughs> that's always. Hey, fun. he's a veteran though. He's used to doing yeah. this. You know, short notice. Yeah. So if anyone's going to do it, it's Wade Miley. That's that's true. So all right. So those are your. Uh, updates. The other roster update while we're talking about it, uh, David Bodie held back. He was experiencing some dizziness, uh, so he was not called up. So we don't know what that roster situation is going to be. Uh, Obviously, we had talked about that. I know Cody, Ryan, and Luke had talked about that, kind of waiting to see what the Cubs do there. But alas, we continue waiting. So uh, on the off day, you know, later today on Thursday or before the game on Friday, you know, just keep your eyes peeled. Uh, for the updates on if that changes, especially if Saya comes back, there might be some, uh, you know, a whole host of moves that the Cubs have to make here. So, um, yeah. So let's talk about the game with Baltimore on Tuesday. Plenty to talk about there. Mm -hmm. The Cubs lose nine to three. Things started, Brendan, about as good as they could have. Christopher Morell extends his on-base streak to 21 games. He simply will never not get on base. So that's cool. It's a great strategy. Um, what I loved about the, he, he homers to start the game on the first pitch. So obviously that's amazing. The Baltimore moved the left field wall back and Morell said, yeah, it doesn't matter. I'm going to hit it out anyway. Um, but the marquee Twitter account posted on Twitter that Morell had homered before they had even gotten the score bug unrolled, like on the screen as they cut you know, to behind the pitcher to get the broadcast started, they popped the score bug in there, and it it was it was like halfway up by the time Morell had already put the Cubs up one to nothing. So, <laughs> I you know again we've talked about him 
a ton, and for good reason. He still continues to lead off. He was two for five in this game against the Orioles. Uh, two runs batted in. He struck out once, scored the run on the home run, and he's hitting 298 with a 905 OPS. So uh, we we can continue to gush about him. We will continue to gush about him, uh, but it sort of continues to be more of the same from Christopher Morel, Brendan. It does. In the home run that he hit, Corey was against a 95-mile-per-hour fastball on top of the strike zone. So you know the league is going up with fastballs like crazy, and that's been David Bodie's problem. That's been Patrick Wisdom's problem. That was, that's been the problem for the mid-2010s Cubs. And Morrell, 22 years old, goes up there within a few pitches of the game. The Bucks not even up on the, on the TV yet, and he blasts one to defenses that were moved back in Baltimore, just like that. So it's it's just another example of how good Morrell is and how he's kind of this like modern twist on prospects that we've seen in years past be called up. He's not the same type of prospect that we've seen that can't really do well against high fastballs. Uh, this this is this is fun to see. Yeah, it just remains. I like honestly. He has become so much of not the the sole reason to watch, but it it just is so exciting and has such significant long term implications that it's uh, become must watch television to see what he does every night. So that's yeah. always fun when that kind of comes out of nowhere. Uh, I don't think a lot of us were expecting to have Christopher Morel be the most important thing we were watching, uh, but here we are. So uh, let's get into the pitching though. So. Two things of, of interest in this game, um, and it's the only two pitchers that we see. Keegan Thompson struggles, which he is not necessarily the first time, but the first time like this that we've seen all year. He allows seven earned runs in three innings pitch, five hits, three home runs versus two batters. Homer against him, he got kind of ambushed there, one walk and one strikeout. Um, so not a good outing for Keegan. He takes his first loss of the season. Uh, I think as our, our good friend Cody would say, he's human after all, even just a little bit. Uh, and then following that, Brendan, we see the return of Alec Mills, who's rocking a, a killer stash. Um, so that's something to keep in mind. Uh, he's got you know his, his <laughs> typical go. sport goggles or whatever, and he's rocking a stash now. So news, newsworthy. Um, but Big Mills follows in typical kind of Alec Mills fashion. Five innings, he gives up four hits, two of them home runs, but only solos, so two earned runs, one walk, and six strikeouts. So this was a nice outing from Mills, and the Cubs don't play on Wednesday with the rain out and, of course, the off day on Thursday. But looking at this kind of in a vacuum, like that's the, you know, you thought you'd have a game the next day at the time and him coming and throwing five innings and kind of calming things down you didn't need anybody else from the bullpen that's sort of the 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 big value of that type of role right is that you can call upon him and just say all right this game has gotten out of hand keep everybody else in the bullpen like this is your game and Mills is like yeah okay cool and he strikes six guys out only gives up a couple runs so let's let's start Brendan I, I laid that all out but sure. let's start with Keegan Thompson why did he struggle what was different from the other outings um hit me Keegan still threw five pitch types that for me is significant because as we've talked about now on a weekly basis for Keegan to have success you have a greater probability of doing so if you have more than just two dominant pitch types that he featured out of the bullpen being the cutter the four seam and then of course the the wipeout pitch with the curveball but he threw the cutter and the four seam more than 70% of the time out of the out of the bullpen so as a starter still throwing five pitch types to your question why was he not successful the the command just was was not there so if you look at the changeup usage that he did show did not have a feel for the pitch uh, against Baltimore. The changeups he did throw were unfortunately misguided up and into right-handed batters, just couldn't locate it. And then his cutter, the uh, command was not there. In fact, it was his lowest cutter usage of the season, Corey. So to me, this signaled from right away, he did not have feel for that pitch. And you can see just by the heat map, looking at it typically he throws that pitch down and away he did not do that against Baltimore just could not command it so as a result he shifted to I think more four seams and he shifted to throwing more curveballs curveball command was good and the four seam command uh was also 
well located up in the zone. It's just he didn't have that dominant pitch type and the cutter that's made him so successful. And we've, we've talked about this last week as well. The reason Keegan's been so successful this year is because of that cutter command. It's been exceptional and he has above average horizontal movement on that pitch. That was the biggest problem, I imagine, amongst smaller, minor problems that start. But the biggest one is he didn't have that cutter. Yeah, so looking at some of the quotes that he gave to the Chicago media, I'm looking here at an article from Megan Montemiro of the Chicago Tribune. He said, I mean, I know that's going to happen, and I know I'm still good enough to get guys out. So I think going through those struggles last year in the 2021 season kind of helped me mentally getting through a night like tonight. He also went on to say that he felt that his stride might have been a little shorter than normal, causing Mm. his arm to drag behind him. He said, uh, looking at either standstill pictures of where my front foot was landing tonight versus other nights and see if that was the problem. It just looked a little off to me in one of the pictures. He said, if that's the case, then I'll work on that in the bullpen. So, I mean, exactly. Like, this is going to happen. It's it's not really that big a deal. I think it's good that, you know, he seems to at least have something that maybe he's identifying as like, yeah, this was a little off. Um, and you love the attitude, right? Talking about how, look, I had some struggles last year, and I worked through it. I came back this year. I've been lights out. And I love, you know, the quote from him, like, I'm still good enough to get guys out. Like, one yeah. start— doesn't really change anything. It was a bad start. The Orioles uh, were ready to attack, and they did, and you throw it in the trash and and move on. His body of work so far this year uh, has been, you know, stunning, right? I mean, we're talking about him being an all-star. So bad start, fix it, and move on. It happens. At least he's working on throwing several pitch types, and the fact that he already identified the... uh, stride extension possibility that might explain some of his mechanical problems in Baltimore is is encouraging. And I have confidence that just given what we've seen with these pitchers recently with Tommy Ottavi and the cameras, the super high resolution cameras they have now, like they're going to find the difference in Baltimore. It's just one start and it's more than likely an anomaly given what we've seen in the past month from them. So I'm, I'm not concerned at all. I'm kind of surprised that you didn't you didn't send me those pictures of his I know. stride. I feel I feel a little bad about it that. It kind of feels like the type of thing that you would have I said, know. like, hey, it looks like it, and I would have called you a nerd and said, leave me alone. And well, maybe that's you know. why I didn't do it because they're just not giving me the uh, the incentive. You know, the, the positive reinforcement. No, that you're, you it's, need. Com- it's completely the opposite. Maybe I would well, just maybe stop just DM grass. them to Keegan Thompson straight next okay. time. Well, um, but there was also uh, an interesting quote. Uh, from Sahadev Sharma, um, from David Ross on Keegan and that kind of rotation bullpen discussion. And and really, uh, the only reason I bring this up is to just kind of reiterate something that we've said before. And this also applies to Alec Mills. Like one of the things uh, that Ross said was, quote, there are so many benefits for what he's done for us. Obviously, a starter is awesome and he's done a great job, but also his other role is extremely important too. It just maybe doesn't have the status of a starter, but it's really important. Now, I want to, you know, clear up like him having one bad start in Baltimore is not going to change the Cubs giving him a look and wanting to let him succeed wherever he might, right? If that's as a starter or as a long man out of the bullpen. I just read that quote because you and I and Cody, Luke, and Ryan have talked about that a lot and kind of reiterating to people that being that long man out of the bullpen who's not in mop-up duty, right? Like in a lot of the, the games he was succeeding in, he was pitching in in wins and in close games going two, three, four right. innings or whatever it was, right? So I just, I just liked hearing this from David Ross because I think it speaks to that point that we talked about when he was in that role and people were asking if he should get starts. I think either is fine, right? They're both very valuable, but that's the point. Both roles are very valuable. And we saw it on Tuesday, like... It was in a loss, but what Alec Mills did there is very important to the long-term success of a team over 162 games, and doing it at the level that Keegan was is very valuable, but definitely still want to see him keep starting and find out which is the best place for him. 
Exactly. And you can put Justin Steele in this conversation too. And even Alzali, when he comes back, hopefully sometime this summer, you have Mills, Alzali, Steele, and Thompson, all of whom who've pitched out of the bullpen in significant inning roles within the past year, potentially taking that role Ross is describing. So from, from my perspective, I guess it doesn't really matter who ends up being the starter so long as they get bulk innings. I remember for Al Zalai last year when he came back from that minor injury in uh, in the summer, when they put him in the bullpen, he focused really dominantly on his fastball and you saw him max out a little bit more. And he had success out of the bullpen. And I remember Tommy Hadovy talking about the logic there which was get him in a different environment, let him work on different things, and maybe he can learn something that he otherwise would not have learned if he were starting. So I'm thinking too, once that once the, the pitching group is healthy, I, I wonder if we'll see like Steele go into that bullpen, not because he doesn't deserve to start, but it's a way to change the environment and to force some potential higher leverage pitches that wouldn't be thrown as a starting pitcher. So I'm really curious about that as well. Uh, although I still want to see like all these guys get innings long term, the way things are shaping out, Corey, just the the trajectory by Keegan, both the success and the implementation of multiple pitch types, it appears as if that's going faster than Steele. Not that Steele can't catch up at this point, but if this were to continue, I think my preference would be Keegan to take that starting role, and if you have to contrast the two, then having Steele be that swing guy. But as we've seen with Keegan, we, things do change. Which isn't what well, I was going to say. It's interesting because that's probably the opposite. It was the opposite. Both were coming into the season. Yeah, it was the opposite yeah. because you saw Steele throw, and this is this is the like unexplainable or the unpredictable part. You saw Steele throw at the end in September last season, tons of sinkers. So my thinking was, all right, he's got sinkers, he's got four seamer, got the slider and curve, and he has thrown changeups. Like I think he's progressing at a multiple pitch type pace faster than Keegan. So I, I want to see him get those chances. But it has reversed in the past month here for Keegan, where now Keegan's using the multiple pitch types and Justin's going not backwards. That's not, the, that's not the right word, but he is using just dominantly two pitch types. So it could change again. That's the beauty about this season is you get the opportunity to evaluate on like a month to month basis. Yeah. And uh, once again, just uh, looking at some of the stuff that's coming out post game here, just sounds like uh, Kyle Hendricks hasn't pitched since uh, June 1st. Sounds like just uh, a rest. And, you know, I think he may have been lined up uh, for the beginning of that Yankee series. So some folks were already wondering uh, where he was. Maybe he gets that TBD day on Sunday as we're recording this late on Wednesday night. We're not sure about that, but I am reading quotes from him uh, that, you know, he's fine. Just a little bit of a a reset, you know, with the way the schedule's played out, uh, not, you know, rushing to get him back out there. uh, And he sounded totally fine with it. So that's the update there. And he's probably throwing bullpens just as Strowman threw a bullpen today. He's, he's probably still on schedule. Nothing to, to worry about there. I do want to take a quick break here uh, for our sponsors, first of whom is PointsBet. The best way to support CHGO is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. If you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you will receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. If you have any questions, email pointsbet at allchgo.com, and we'll help you. Remember that PointsBet is your home for live in-game betting. They even have a new exclusive feature, live NBA same-game parlay for the first time ever. Build the perfect live same-game parlay only with PointsBet. Combine your favorite bets anytime during the game. You can even boost your live same-game parlays. And now online sign-up is available in Illinois. You guys know that. You can actually download the PointsBet app right now and register your account from start to finish all from your phone. Signing up with the fastest sportsbook is now easier than ever, so you can start living your bet life in seconds. Use code CHGO to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet live with points bet. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Our next partner has a product I use literally every day. I started using AG1 because I wanted to kickstart my day with complete nutrition 
and I'm not a big breakfast guy. Now I've been able, now I've been on it for two weeks and I love it. It doesn't taste like it's super healthy. It kind of has this mild tropical taste. I like that tropical uh, taste and I look forward to taking it every morning. So what actually is this stuff? In just one scoop of AG1, you're, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. I get a noticeable boost of energy, so I take it first thing in the morning on an empty stomach. You're investing in an all-in-one nutritional insurance for less than three bucks a day. It's recommended by professional athletes and has more than 7,000 five-star reviews. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash CHGO Cubs. Again, that's athleticgreens.com backslash CHGO Cubs to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, so Brendan, um, anything on Alec Mills or just to cap off that conversation? I think, uh, you know, kind of along a similar line as we were just talking, like just good to have him back. Um, For sure. Those guys, you, you see it right away. Like there's such a value in being able to turn to guys who can, you know, really reliably go multiple innings. I mean, in Mills' case, this was basically almost a start. Um, he threw 73 pitches over these five innings. And I... It'll be interesting to see how this plays going forward. Obviously, in this Yankee series, we're going to continue to see Swarmer get another look. Um, I, there, there's just a lot of guys who you there's can kind of, of guys, play in, in different roles. I I generally prefer Mills in this role. I know he's kind of similar to a lot of guys where I think he'd prefer to be starting, um, but I think he's better served in this role. It's it's a better way for Ross and Hadavi to deploy him. I think he'll just have more success in this role. Um, but, you know, at this point, you, you've got a lot of guys who David Ross could tap to start on a, on a given day and, and see what they have and figure out what they have going in terms of uh, the future here. Yeah, I mean, Mills has success using a pitch breakdown similar to what he used last season. He got four whiffs on his changeup down and in to right-handed batters or down and away to lefties, and he got 10 whiffs overall. So he was able to miss actually quite a few bats, relatively speaking. Now, the reason he had success last year was not just because of his stuff, which rates below to league average. His command last year, especially with that sinker, which he throws most of the time, that command rating was a 65 out of 80 by the pitch algorithm grades. This one is Cameron Groove's algorithm. It's similar to what you see from Max Bay and what Eno Saris kind of throws out there, same concept. So if he's able to throw his sinker with high command, as he did last season, then he's going to be valuable. Now, as we just talked about, is that as a starter or as a reliever? Us talking about Mills did jog my memory. It reminded me of last season in August, in September, when you and I said basically that he deserves a spot in the rotation, just given his success and given his uh, ability to adapt and throw multiple pitch types. That was kind of the sentiment there. But given how many guys have progressed since our last conversation about this many months ago. I kind of want to see Alec just out of the bullpen for now. Yeah. I still want to see Keegan get these opportunities to adjust, learn. Same concept for Justin Steele. Um, now, when you look at Swarmer versus Alec Mills, 
I guess from a pure pitcher point of view, I think Alec Mills probably would make the most sense, but it's not like that in a vacuum. You have Swarmer who has more years of team control, and he has that unique release point, that steep vertical approach angle with that slider. So I guess if we're going to rank all these guys, like Alec Mills for me is lowest on the totem pole in terms of who gets these starting opportunities, but that's, it's not to knock him. His role out of the bullpen would be extremely significant, and if the ultimate decision is to give him starts here and there, then I'm f- completely for it. Yeah, ultimately, this goes to pretty much exactly what we've been saying on every episode, right? And that is that the more guys you can find to be pieces on a competitive team, great, right? Uh, What their exact role is, you can figure out the rest of this season. You can figure out in spring training next year after you've hopefully made some big time, you know, free agent moves or trade moves. Uh, but for now, like it's all just figuring out, like, can they get outs at this level? And you can piece together the rest at a later date. Uh, but the more yeah. guys that can get outs, however many at a time, right, then, okay, you can start piecing together a pitching staff. And on that, um, I, I want to go into uh, some really interesting quotes uh, that we saw, uh, again, from uh, the folks over at The Athletic. And from David Robertson and Michael Givens, and uh, there's two sets of quotes, both of on sort of the same sentiment. So starting with Robertson, uh, talking about deciding to come to the Cubs and playing with the Cubs uh, at the at the place he was in his career, he said, "quote They do have a good track." record of guys coming here, having success, and then going on to sign multi-year deals. It's a formula they have going here now, especially the guy who maybe had an injury or had a tough year, get him on a decent deal here, then they work their way out of it and find their old rhythm. There's just a lot of help mm-hmm. here. There's always a place to turn when you have questions. There's a lot of knowledge with that, with that coaching staff, so it's nice to have someone to talk to when you feel like you're struggling a little bit. Most teams have that, but this team is really good about that. They're very vocal local and open about discussions with pitching. Michael Givens said, I was looking for a place that's welcoming and treats people like family. This organization treats people like family. They've been really big league and professional with everything they do, and they're really good at communication. That's hard to get with some organizations, having a coaching staff and front office just communicate. So really good quotes there uh, from uh, The Athletic with these guys. And you, you just love to hear that stuff, right? They're in the organization, so like I sort of don't <laughs> expect them to come out and say bad things. Right. But the stuff from Robertson in particular, Brendan, we've been saying that for years, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know like we talked with, you know, Luke and Cody and Ryan all off season about how we just didn't really care what they did with the bullpen because they have this track record and we just sort of trust them to put it together. And when you hear, especially a veteran, right, in David Robertson, who's pitched for a lot of, you know, high-profile organizations for in his time, career, yeah. like for him to say those things about the infrastructure and the communication and the tools that are available to him, it it really speaks to something. But what, what really stands out to me is that you have a, I mean, obviously he signed here, so he must feel this way in, in some respect. But like we've talked about that for a long time, about how they they love a reclamation project, they love a guy, you know, trying to reclaim his career or rediscover, you know, that success he had a couple years ago. It, it's it's really something to hear a player of his caliber state that, right? Yeah. Like we notice it as fans, but it's 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 important, I think, that free agent pitchers who are deciding where to go. Like seemingly that is something that they also notice and are like, yeah, this is a good destination and here's some of the reason why. Yeah. If you, if you're a pitcher who's struggling and the ultimate goal is to succeed, to sign long contracts, to have stability, right? You see that so many times now with these recent cup signings or acquisitions. And if you're one of those potential free agents looking for a team and deciding among a few different teams, the Cubs having the success is important in getting those pitchers. And it reminds me too, when Tyler Chatwood signed with the Cubs, it didn't work out, of course. Uh, 
but even like John Lester way back then, you hear these guys talk about the front office's ability to consider their family situation. You even heard it, I believe, with Jason Hamill when he was with the Cubs. One of the concerns I had was when the core was traded and you hear some of this like, um, you know, it's all through the media, but you, you, you do hear some weird tones from the players and my thinking was oh like you know that's unfortunate i hope that this does not hurt uh potential free agents who do want that stability when you see guys like you know like rizzo and and schwarber and and the core guys go away it does suggest maybe that you you can't get that stability with this franchise but to hear recently givens talk about it to hear uh, Robertson talk about how it can help guys uh, adjust right away and have success. It does represent that right now the Cubs do have an advantage, and they have an advantage not only from a front office perspective and identifying personal needs, but also now you have this unique advantage from your actual pitching infrastructure, yeah. which has now been a two to three year process and success in the making. But you're seeing like the actual pitchers talk about it, not just the young guys, but the veteran guys as well. And I do think that is significant from getting, uh, from the perspective of acquiring more players. Yeah. And I think it's, it's, yeah, it's important to hear these things again, like they're in the organization. I don't really expect them to, you know, come out and trash the organization uh, at this exact moment. But they don't have to go out. They don't have have to go out and like go into detail about this. Right. Right. But but pointing to specifics, like clearly they feel this way. And, you know, again, like we, we, you and I, and, you know, pretty much everybody feel a particular way about the team that's on the field right now and how much, you know, better they should be and how much better we deserve as fans. Like none of that changes, but you know, you look at like Marcus Stroman chose to sign here. Seiya Suzuki chose to sign here. These two relievers are talking about what brought them here and what they're liking about their yeah. experience here. Like that matters. And, and to your the, point too, with like you Darvish, you Darvish was a significant contributor to Seiya Suzuki signing with the Cubs. Right. His experience because of being, his experience with exactly. the Cubs. Yeah. So it does so matter. So the the hope, right, the demand really from all of us is that this team, you know, should be spending at the top of the league and putting together a team that they legitimately expect to compete for a World Series every year. That didn't happen this year, but we don't have to relitigate that every five minutes. But when you look ahead to this coming off season, and as we go forward here, like, it's important that all these players seem to enjoy their experience here and have a lot of good things to say about what it meant for their career and their performance and their family and all of that stuff because we want the Cubs to go out and sign top-tier free agents this offseason. Well, it's helpful to know that players seem to view this still as a destination Destination. to play, not just as you know, Wrigley Field and the history of the Cubs, but also like the coaching and the infrastructure and and how the front office operates. We can't control how much money they spend, right? You and I, Brendan. Uh, I wish wish we could, but these are the things you want to hear from players in the hopes that we see that going forward and to fill out the roster in addition to hopefully some of the interesting pieces that we continue to see over the next few months. Yeah. Okay, another break here from our sponsor, PointsBet. If you enjoy CHGO, one way to help us continue to grow is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. Not only are you going to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000, but if you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you will receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO Locker. If you have any questions, email pointsbet at allchgo.com. We'll help you out. And in case you missed it, online signup is available in Illinois. You can actually download this PointsBet app right now and register your account from start to finish all from your phone. You'll be signing up with the fastest sports book that's easier than ever so you can start living your bet life in seconds. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet Life with points bet. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. All right, Brendan. So uh, with the, you know, only one game here, want to dip a little into the minor leagues Ooh. Uh, if we can. Uh, I do, do want to note uh, that Nelson Velasquez playing really well uh, since he went down. 
so obviously we saw him for a little bit of a cup of coffee uh, not too long ago. He went back down. Um, he's definitely a guy you'd like to see come back up. He's hit a couple homers since he's been back down, and and just looking like a guy who uh, you know is trying to keep his name in the, in the running for coming yeah. back up, right? Like, yeah. uh, and kind of trying to make it difficult on the front office to not say, "Hey, let's give this uh, let's give this guy more of a look." So uh, that's always good to see. And, you know, you talked about him when he came up, but he's he's certainly an intriguing uh, position player and someone who, yeah, like as we go forward here with, with a few months left in the season, you want to see get a little bit of a shot as we head yeah. into uh, next year. It's going to be interesting how this entire roster shapes out in the next few weeks. Of course, we have the Bodie discussion with him coming off the I.O. presumably any day now if the dizziness does subside. But then you also have the discussion of, okay, what do you do once Seiya's back and what do you do with the roster crunch, especially in the context of Clint Frazier? Clint Frazier actually has been pretty decent. Um since starting off a little bit slow and coming back from injury. So with Clint Frazier, you still have multiple years of team control. And then you have Nelson Velasquez doing well. It does create a little bit of a crunch. You have Rafael Ortega, who after that rough start and within the past five weeks now has a weighted on base average of like 380 within mm-hmm. that five-week span. So what what do you do? It's going to be very challenging. And I know we've talked maybe about, um, you know, like Ortega as a trade piece, although he does have multiple years of team control. And so the conversation might change to, okay, do you value team control and but still consider their age, Ortega being in his 30s versus Frazier in his upper 20s, 27 years old, same age as Ian Happ, it's going to be very challenging to make these decisions. And of course, you can say, okay, you just DFA like Hayward. We're not going to get into Hayward here, but you still have that roster crunch. You still have Happ, you still have Sia, you still have Morrell, you still have Nelson, you still have uh, Clint. You have to get these guys at bat somehow absent of Jason Hayward not playing. It still will be a roster crunch. I think that's fascinating. And I do wonder if we ultimately will see like a trade if we see Ortega get dealt. But regardless, yeah. I I need to see. Like if Nelson's ready to play Corey, like if he's actually ready to play in the big leagues, we we gotta see him. And same thing goes for Clint Frazier. You gotta give the guys at, in in my current thinking with the highest ceiling as many chances as possible. Yeah, I mean, I have no idea what they're doing or thinking or what they're going to do because um, Frazier was not going to start on Wednesday. Again, it was going to be Jason Hayward in right field. You know, you have that, you have Simmons, you have Jonathan VR, you know, and, and, you know, you've got all these injuries and guys coming back at different times and stuff. So all of the decisions don't necessarily line up at once. But if Seiya can come back this weekend, you know, obviously he's playing every day or should be playing, you know, mostly right. every day. Um, Ian Happ is having, you know, the best season of his career. I mean, 2020 yeah. for that that first portion, but that wasn't a full season. Um, you know, and he's just putting up numbers that you absolutely cannot take him off the field uh, right. because he's looking like the player that you drafted him to be. He's got a 128 WRC plus, a 373 on base percentage, which would be uh, pretty easily the highest of his career. Uh, he's doing it from both sides of the plate. He's looking uh, better, I think, from the eye test on defense. The metrics look a little better, especially than you know last year. Uh, so he's got to play. Christopher Morrell has got to play is only getting on base right so he has to play uh there really isn't a logic to sending him down at this point i i'm sure when they brought him up as a 22 year old i'm not sure they thought it would go like this uh but it is going like this and (laughs) you can't you you can't take that train off the tracks at this at this particular moment there just isn't a productive reason to do that right um so you're you're dealing with all of that right you don't have to bring guys like Nelson Velasquez up, but, you know, again, like at some point, you want to see what these guys can do at this level, 
and it's easy to do in a season like this as opposed to hopefully next year when hopefully you intend on being more competitive. It's a little more difficult to bring guys up and sort of try things and see how they go. And yeah, like if you want to bring David Bodie back and see what's going on, that's another roster spot. Like Nick Madrigal, we've talked about, you know, and I I was listening to uh, Greg Huss on with Luke Cody and Ryan earlier in the week. Um, is a great episode. Uh, if you want to hear some some minor league chatter with the boys, you should check that one out on the CHGO Cubs feed. Um, but, you know, Greg raises an interesting point, which is, you know, does Madrigal really benefit from going down because he already makes contact? He just needs to make better contact at the major league level, right? I, what do you I don't know, <laughs> right? Like, I, I don't know <laughs> if he benefits from... Uh, going down, but a lot of people on social media, on Cubs Twitter on Wednesday were kind of talking about his batted ball profile and looking at some uh, spray charts and stuff like that. And, it, you know, as we've discussed before, it's just really not good. Um, yeah. I, I compared it in a text with you, Brendan, and a friend of the podcast, Ryan Tomier, to like when you're playing baseball or kickball in middle school and you have that, you know, one kid where somebody in the outfield yells, everybody in! Was right? That, was that was that you? No, I actually have some decent power for someone who never really played baseball. Really? Um, well, you're pretty lanky. Yours like what six foot? Six yeah. foot one? Yeah. yeah, you got those long levers. Are we doing a scouting years. report on me now? Yeah, live, on the, live um, on the air. But the 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 point being, like, he just really does not hit the ball out of like the shallow outfield, right? And it's just bad. So I don't know if it would be productive to send him down, but. I, I I just don't know. Is my is, well the is, question is, I the question I have when we talk about this is yeah. with Bodie back and we're talking about the outfield crunch. Morell is part of this discussion within the infield because if the outfield is crunched and you want to give Clint Frazier opportunities, which by the way, since coming back from injury has only been twenty five plate appearances, but walking in a quarter of those plate appearances, he has several base hits. He has a double, uh, striking out only a few times there. Like, you know, he's looked good, I think. So you have to ask yourself the question with once Morrell does kind of get shifted around here within the infield, Magical may not play every day. So it's it's not just the fact that maybe he doesn't have to improve his contact. He has to improve his quality of contact, but he also has to get the, oppor- get the opportunities to do that. And he don't want to take away playing time from other guys on this roster who are doing well right now. So maybe, maybe it does make sense for Nick to go down and let's see how the league adjusts to some of these current guys, including Morrell, and then he can make a decision about what to do with him in like four or five weeks. Yeah, there's a lot to uh, tinker with because, you know, I think with Madrigal as well, like I know, you know, a lot of people don't like the profile and they're kind of feeling like, yeah, this is exactly who I thought he was, but he's young, he's got a lot of years of control, um, first round draft pick, like I'm not even saying that I'm the biggest believer in him, but you want to see if you can get it right, right? It's, you just didn't see enough to write it off. Um, So you want to see if you can figure that out and turn that contact into something that's more productive. Uh, Maybe it's a tall task. I don't know. Luckily, I'm not the person that has to figure that out. But it all, it's similar to the pitching staff, Brendan. Like there's a lot of moving pieces here. The thing for me is you have to be prioritizing exactly what they've been telling us, right? Which is the future. The moves need to be future oriented, right? Almost none of this matters for this season, right? Like if you're looking at things as like, oh, well, does DFAing this guy really make things any better for right now? In a lot of cases, the answer is probably no. But like what difference does it make, right? The question that you should be asking doesn't really have anything to do with this year and the results. It has to do with beyond this. What is valuable to the 2023 Cubs that we can learn now? What's valuable to the 2024 Cubs that we can learn now? If this season is going to be another one where they trade assets at the deadline and they don't make the playoffs and all that, which is how it appears, right? Not to be pessimistic, right? Uh, Like the questions need to be future oriented. And at the moment, there's a lot of 
pieces either on the team or still in the fold for the team that don't really have any purpose in that regard. So, so do you think Nick goes down? Just given how everything's worked out, do you think Nick goes down? Personally, I think he does. I, I really wouldn't, don't. I would probably not, I wouldn't, I definitely wouldn't be surprised. The resu- like, here's the thing, yeah. like, whether you think it's productive, I understand the point that Greg was making where it's like, look, like at some point he has to figure this out at the major league level. We already know he can make For contact, sure. right? If he goes and hits at triple A, like, okay, you come back and you ask the same question, right? But the results are so bad that they might just not have a choice, right? Like that's the thing. When, when results get this bad, it gets difficult to not try to just do something else. Um, you know, because you also don't want Nick and I don't know that he would do this, but you don't want him to spiral mentally, right? If he just going up there and it's, it's not working and the results get so bad, like that's not good for a guy either. So I don't know if it would be productive or not, but like at some point, it just is not taking right now at the major league yeah. level, and you may just need yeah. to try something else. Well, with hitting, it's so weird evaluating these hitters in like this pitching era because we're talking about contact rate right now, and it reminds me of so many conversations for so many years, Corey, that we had about Kyle Schwarber, that we've had about even Ian Happ dating back to 2018, 2019, and the demotions for those two guys. Um, during the, those demotions, they made more contact. Schwarber, at one point, this is all from my brain right now, so I don't know what year it was, but he had like 73 to 75% contact, and he just was not hitting the ball well. And so he still had issues to work out, even though he was still making more contact. And there's also been several times with Ian Happ, this is why sometimes I yeah, that's lose true. trust. Yeah, where he... For him, like we we saw him not swing at any pitches, and his chase rate was among the best in the league, but his overall production was so bad. So you think about those like peripherals and those numbers in the context of Nick Madrigal. This this means that our current thinking, being guided just by those numbers, there was going to be holes in that thinking process, and we don't have like the type of like data and the type of metrics to evaluate hitting in the same way we can do pitching at this point, and. There are some maybe some new numbers with the next few years coming out, but when you watch Magical every game, which I think I've probably seen most of his at bats this season, like it is so uninspiring, dude. Like, yeah, like he's making contact, but something something is just not there. So I feel as if, despite making that contact, um, you can make changes in in AAA, and you can do so in a way that is productive, that is on a daily basis, while also getting those answers questioned for 2023. Because if he does not succeed in AAA, Corey, that's an answer. That like that's an actual answer. Yeah. You, can't, you can't adjust in AAA. And I need to see for my own curiosity, but also just for, I think everyone's curiosity. Like Christopher Morel is playing his way into an unexpected, significant role at this yes. point. And so if Nick Magical is going to take even five at bats away from Morel a week, yeah, no, I can't. That can't happen to me, Corey. No. Yeah, no. I mean, again, like it's it's all the same thing, right? It it has to be future oriented, and you have to be finding answers because otherwise, this season is a total waste, and it hasn't been to this point. Like, I think you're getting really significant looks at guys like Keegan Thompson and Justin Steele, the, these guys that we've really talked about. Um, you're getting an opportunity for Ian Happ to thrive, apparently, right? Like, that's a big deal. And um, I did not expect that. I don't think, did you expect Ian Happ to do this well? I, no. I mean, that was, I, I hoped he would, but I just didn't have that trust level he would do that well. It's been no, really, we would really be, great. No, we would defer to probably the only person that thought this well, and that would be friend of the podcast, Michael I know, Serrani. Michael, I know. So um, that's a big deal. Like, Frank coming back and hitting like this, okay, that's been worthwhile so far. Patrick Wisdom, definitely like a a. a at the very least, a depth player, I think, on a solid team, like with the way that he hits home runs and plays defense. So, it, you know, Nico Horner, the way he's played it short, like there has been a lot of important things that we've seen. And of course, it's only June. You need to see them continue before you're able to like fully uh, understand all of these and the different level to which they might play into your future plans. Yeah. But you need to keep doing that. 
right? Like there's you there's do. an avenue for more of those players, and we've mentioned a lot of them, like Clint Frazier. You may not have been inspired by what you've seen by Clint Frazier so far, but would you honestly be able to tell me that I know who this guy is? No, I've seen enough. Not at all. You're you, you know you're wrong if you think that it's just not enough. You don't have to believe. I'm not telling you he's going to be a star or that that's going to happen. But the Cubs have not given him a fair look at that to know that for sure, right? And right. to your point about Christopher Morell, like we've we've all highlighted this because he's set the world on fire in the time that he's been up. But this is a guy who's 22 who can play third, he can play short, he can play second, he can play the outfield, he could probably catch and pitch if you asked him to. That just and manage like a the, team too. A, let him manage. Yeah, I don't yeah. care. Yeah, um, make the whole team out of Christopher Morel if you can. <laughs> yeah. Figure that one out. No, he has a brother, do they, by the way. Do they he has have a, brother. a cloning machine in the infrastructure? Corey, he um, has a brother, 17 years old, within the Cubs system, Raphael Morel. Bring him up. Let's go. Yeah. The whole team, Morels. <laughs> yeah. Um, Unreal. But like, he's he's fast. He's an athlete. He's got obvious power. He's improved his plate discipline so much. Like, you have to prioritize those things. You may not have expected no it. They may have planned for a similar sort of trajectory as they had with Nelson Velasquez when they made that move. Right? We're going to bring this guy up because we need some, you know, uh, some subs some guys to fill in and we'll send him down in a week and he can, you know, continue working on what he needs to work on. And Christopher Morell said, eh, right? Like, nope. no, <laughs> that's not the plan. And right. you need to just let it ride, right? Because this is like, I mean, I, I like saying something is like franchise altering is like sort of too big a deal. I don't really want to get that carried away. Well, he's the best player of all time. So you never know. Right. Yes, that's true. Yeah. But like you look at the profile that he's displaying, the age, the talent, the athleticism, the sort of intangibles that he brings, like this is a big deal and you it it's kind of just happening, right? So yeah. that type of stuff is what you're looking for. Is he going to continue this all year? He's going to go through stretches where he struggles or needs to make adjustments or things like that, right? But this is the type of stuff you're you're killing for if you're Jed Hoyer in the front office. Like if they legitimately found a guy that can lead off and play center field for them for the next several years, it's it's difficult Huge. to even put into words how big a deal that is, Brendan. Yeah, it's massive. It's you have so many implications for 2023 that's currently even on this 40 man with guys whom we haven't talked about yet and we will talk about them and also we have not included like alfonso rivas in this discussion who struggled mightily and this is a conversation for a different podcast since we're winding down here but let's say frank continues to do well and rivas starts showing some signs of progress then you have a greater crunch that extends to the outfield let's say like you need to give rivas at bats he's played left field before and he's play the outfield actually pretty well defensively so this creates a further jam it's going to be i think beyond like interesting you know it's unfortunate that it's not in the context of winning baseball games but if you keep that big picture perspective which i think you and i are trying so hard to do there are so many trends and so many storylines to follow that do have like a relatively immediate impact because we're almost like halfway through this season and we're going to be having these discussions not too distant in the future about next season Corey so yeah and I, and I think it's interesting I think the overall point is that there there can be more right and we started talking about Nelson right. Velasquez there's other guys like Greg mentioned a bunch uh on the show the other day like you know especially on the pitching side like who you want to see come up and get an opportunity and just keep yeah. not all of them are gonna you know look at, like Christopher Morell where it's like, like oh my <laughs> you know, at taking everybody by storm, but like, that's the point of trying this stuff and, and, and us and, and other folks, you know, sort of like relentlessly complaining about certain guys getting too much playing time or, you know, still being on the roster, et cetera. And I don't even direct that at one person, right? Oh. Like 
the the point of this year should be as many of these like young interesting guys if they're ready right if they're ready to make that jump and they're you know kind of feeling like okay they've done all they can in the minors or they're close to that like let's just see what's going on because sometimes they do end up like Christopher right. Morell and you kind of have to like reevaluate things at least you know for a little bit and yeah you know it it just it just presents that opportunity and you like Matt Swarmer was not on any of our radars three weeks ago. Like honestly, I don't even know who Matt Swarmer was when we were talking about the you know, potential pitchers. No one talked about him going into this year, and now we're talking about him as like maybe a, a multiple inning guy for next season, maybe even as like a starter. Uh, although it's unlikely at this point. That just goes to show you that there are so many uncertainties, so many players that you can't predict that actually might have immediate value and. We talked about it going into this season, and I described it as like a morbid curiosity. This, this to me is fun. Like I know, again, you want to win games, but to me, it's fun when you have so many potential options, and you get to see so many of these guys showcase their adjustments, and that that's impressive. It reminds me of like watching, um, you know, like the Arizona Fall League games and seeing some guys kind of boom out of nowhere and. I don't know. For for baseball, that's the beauty of the sport. You get these guys developing at uh, you know unexpected rates. Okay, so I've been yeah. Uh, so last thing, a couple of minor league notes uh, that now we're getting really into the future, like you know a few years into the future. But uh, PCA and Owen Casey both homered on Wednesday night, so that is a lot of fun. Uh, and the other note, Christian Hernandez, uh, the Arizona Summer League, uh, I think they call it the Arizona Complex League now. They changed it since I, since I worked there, Brendan. Yeah, I see Christian Hernandez with ACL. My, uh, my heart I, It's skips not great, right? Like, why change from not ACL? Great. Just seemed a lot simpler, I know. but Stupid. whatever. Um, he homered in his first at-bat in that league, which Very is nice. his, his first, you know, sort of like technically professional at-bat. Uh, to the opposite field, by the way, nonetheless. Yeah, over over here in the states, so that is very exciting. Um, he's obviously young, you know, playing in the Arizona Complex League. Uh, but if you if you're ever in, in you know feeling down and you want to get hype about the future, just read literally anybody's scouting report on Christian Hernandez, because uh, you'll probably not have to wait more than a sentence before they compare him to like peak A Rod. Uh, so. <laughs> Yeah, that'll that'll get your hopes up. But just very cool that you know he plays in his first Arizona Complex League game, hits a homer, and you know just sort of introduces himself that way right away. Yep. Okay. Now uh, to more depressing. Um, oh, why is that, Brendan? Ah, uh, I've been putting this off the entire time. Why? Who are they playing? Uh, so this the Cubs. Weekend? Just stop it. Stop it. Let me get through this. You're like elongating this for me. Uh, Cubs are playing the Yankees, Corey, this weekend for a three-game set. Um, Yankees have not announced any of their starters. Cubs, as you mentioned at the onset of this podcast, Corey, Wade Miley coming back to start on Friday. And then you have Matt Swarmer starting on Saturday. Sunday's game uh, starter has not been announced. That Friday game start time is 6.05 p.m. And then that Saturday game's start time is 6.15 p.m. Uh, you're gonna have to mute that broadcast on Saturday. Oh yeah, it's on. Yeah, it's on. Uh, it's on Fox on the national broadcast. And uh, based on my experience watching last uh, Saturday's Fox broadcast, there is a zero percent chance that I'm listening to that. I will sit there in mute if I need to. I watched Game Six of the World Series in like on mute. Like I, just, I couldn't deal with Smoltz. And uh, there's no way, no way whatsoever. I don't care who's in the booth on Saturday. I'm gonna listen. To them talk about Anthony Rizzo, Corey, uh, playing his former teammates, oh, playing boy. with his former manager. There's a 0% chance I'm going to sit there and do it. The fact that I even have to watch this, like I have to watch this game because um, you know I have to be a little bit sad to feel alive. Uh, so I will be watching this, but it's going to be painful. Yeah, I mean, oh boy. Um, I'm just glad this isn't at Wrigley. I'm, I, at, at some point, obviously, I, I hope to welcome Anthony back and give him a proper ovation and all that, but I'm not prepared for it now. You're going you're gonna to cry for that. Oh, are you kidding? <laughs> Is that even a question? Um, Dude, when, when, when Lester comes back, though, like let's say he throws out a first pitch, that is going to be a scene. Yeah, I wasn't Oof. at the game when he came back as a national, but um, 
That doesn't count though. It doesn't count. Like when he comes back for his like, you know, like Cubs welcome mm. back. It's going to be a whole different atmosphere. Yeah, when they retire him and Kerry Wood's number. Um, yeah, I, I mean, look, like, you know, a lot of the the Cubs stuff is is the same as we've been talking about, right? They're, they're, we're going to see some of these roster moves probably this weekend. So curious what they do there. Um, and just continuing to see a lot of the trends uh, either continue in, in the good way or change in the bad way for some of these guys. And uh, yeah, I mean, this is going to be a total mess um, watching Anthony play. I've watched him play for another team. At this point, I'm kind of used to it in a way, but uh, you know, this is a, a whole separate thing. I've, I've never, uh, you know, watched him as an I mean, opponent. We're, we're going to see him, we're going to see him hugging David Ross, right? Like, yeah. you know, his interaction with Contreras, like that's going to suck to see. Yeah. And we're I also going to, you know, he'll talk to the Chicago media, which will relitigate a bunch of <sighs> stuff we don't want to talk about. <sighs> and uh, yeah, it should be a really pleasant weekend, I think is the point. Yeah. Um, you know, the Cubs are not good. They're playing the best team in the league and we get to deal with a bunch of melancholic Anthony Rizzo quotes. So love it. Great. Love it. That's going to well, be Well, this is what we uh, get for 2016, I guess. You know, you said you'd give up a lot. Well, this is what happens. I still don't regret it. I'd do it again. Oh, no, uh, not Are you kidding me? Living in not the aftermath all. is, still yeah, we still have to live in the, after, in the aftermath. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, right. you know, enjoy That's the it. off day on Thursday and sort of prepare yourself emotionally. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's I mean, you know, baseball is going to be a tough series. The Yankees are playing very, very well. Uh, they have the best pitching staff in the league so far to start the season, We're start the them. starting staff. Um, so whoever they throw out there, whether, you know, right now as we're recording this, it's all TBD, but it doesn't really matter. They've all been very, very good. Um, so that is sort of the story. Uh, plenty to watch for uh, with the roster. You know, obviously keep up on that with the off day. And uh, on Friday, uh, Cody, Luke, and Ryan should have you for pre and post to get you ready for that Yankee series and cover uh, however that first game goes. So look for that. As always, we appreciate all of your support for CHGO and the CHGO Cubs podcast. Obviously, you guys know by now, live shows and post games on every team in Chicago every day. Uh, You can go to allchgo.com to sign up to become a member. You get a free shirt and access to the members-only Discord when you sign up. Uh, We will talk to you again on Sunday night after the Cubs and Yankees finish up their series in New York. Thank you for listening to the CHGO Cubs podcast. Talk to you soon, and as always, go Cubs.